You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Christmas. Pappies are returning to the show after a four-year absence that has seen them get up to all sorts, including making two series of their BBC3 sitcom Badults, which we will dissect in great depth. Some of them have won awards. Some of them have been nominated for awards. Some of them have just been funny. And you know which bones are, which, uh, which of those are mo- most important to us. So, ladies and gentlemen, happy Christmas to you. This is a raucous, slightly drunk, very live, very funny and uh, salacious. And also, I, I mean, genuinely, we got some really good stuff. Uh, into, there, was a, there was a difference of opinion. That was good. There were laughs. There were tears. Pappies, return to the podcast. <laughs> good to be back it's lovely to have you you've just spoken more than you spoke in the entire first time you guys oh. were on the show I've specifically asked Ben behind the scenes uh, Ben producer Ben to ensure that you were sat here oh, so that every so often I could go now you say something <laughs> <laughs> the Would thing you... is what you're going to find out now is uh, that you really okay. <laughs> I it's funny you say the thing is Ben because <laughs> What do you mean by that, Ben? That puts me in mind of something that Tom and I were doing earlier on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Go on, sorry. No, I mean, it it genuinely won't work now you've said that. That's That's the the problem with it. Oh, Oh. that's the idea. Let's begin with that. Matthew, why do you hate Ben so much? Tom. Uh, Well, it's not hate. It wasn't the real question. Holy shit, I almost answered it. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I should point out for those of you uh, listening at home, I always like to refer to the listener as an individual. I heard that was a thing radio people do. Um, Very true. I might uh, edit that. I won't. Um, Hey, you, the you at home. It might interest you uh, to know that uh, after a two-hour booze-filled spectacular version of the Pappy's Flat Slam podcast... I didn't know it was two hours. I just found out. We did two hours. I'm so... I am so sorry. Yeah. We started at 7.04 and we ended at 9.04. That's not... That, by the way, is unacceptable. (laughs) Wow. I do like it. I think they they often say that clowning is the ability to fuck up and take responsibility for it. So (laughs) I'm really impressed that Matt is like... like We're sorry. Yeah. Um, So, uh, just to get everyone up to speed, uh, during the the show beforehand, uh, Pappy's committed to finishing the bottles of Advocat that are behind them (laughs) on account of this. Can we just see where everyone is? I've got a lot of catching up to do. I tell you what, um, let's do the Great Leveller. Hello. Whoa. Oh, that seems unfair. That's wow. Bad. That was a good... That, Jesus Christ, that was a leveller. Well done. So, uh, I mean, I was sort of joking. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it's like the thing about Advocar is you get sick before you get drunk. Yeah. 
We used to do it at, we used to, like, it started because we It's your to, theme drink, isn't it? That's it is, our, it's, yeah. our, it's our drink. We started doing Christmas shows, back, way back when, when we first started doing comedy, we were doing uh, Christmas shows at the old coffee, coffee, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> the old coffee house. The old so coffee house, the thank interval. you. The old Abacar house. During the, the interval, Matt was coming up saying, don't worry, I'm not that pit, it's just for reading. I was just drunk for reading. <laughs> oh, I meant reading and speaking. Um, <laughs> and we used to do shows at the, the old coffee house, and we started doing Christmas specials and buying Abacar, because it was a very festive drink it's the snowball drink for Christmas yeah and then that somehow just became the thing we drank on stage all the time yeah it was like the, the, the last of ever I remember seeing several of your avocado shows in Edinburgh where it's like on Dirty Monday at the end of the fringe whenever yeah we did charity left. shows yeah you did charity shows and cane bottles of avocado during it yeah Who, whose idea was that and was it perpetuated by one of you in particular I have to say I've always assumed it was sort of Tom punishing you <laughs> I don't know why I made that it's assumption. Like Pappy's is sort of a weird kind of bullying. Like that's sort of how we operate. Um, in that we sort of like bullying with love. Bullying with love, exactly. <laughs> Killing with kindness. None of us is willing to back down, so we're all doing it, but none of us want to do it. <laughs> this is absolutely vintage Concom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. but at, all, at the end of all of those shows, I'd normally drink a bottle and a half of, of Avocar, and you have to just run off and just like you puke pure custard. And yeah. so if I. If it's a bit when you're like, oh, Ben's talking a lot, I'm off puking. That's what it is. I'm not... The worst thing look out for that, guy. <laughs> the worst thing about those out-of-the-car specials that I remember as well is because we'd be drunk, we'd have very intense debriefed sessions because when you're drinking a bottle of out-of-the-car and trying to do the Edinburgh show that you love, like, the timings are all off. So we'd find ourselves being like, well, that sketch didn't work because we were doing a bottle of out-of-the-car. Like but because we were drunk, of course it but because it was the end of Edinburgh, we'd have these very intense kind of debrief sessions of going like, yeah, that, that we threw that there and that didn't work. And, and also like, the festival's over, so we don't need to It doesn't tear. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, the other thing as well, and this is something we, do, we used to do a lot when we first started, and we don't do any more... I hope. We sort of do. But we used to talk a lot about like very personal shit yeah. on stage because we yeah, were so yeah, yeah. hammered. Um, and that was sort of... Well, I mean, you can feel how awkward it is right now. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it was like that level of awkward. Can you give us an like, example? Oh, I can God. think of a couple, yeah. Like, um, we... <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, give me two... Code words. I was going to say, yeah, because if we, if we discuss it now, we'll, we'll be doing the we're same doing it again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's like, um, we, I, I think, oh, this, this sounds, without meaning to sound really pretentious, really early doors, but like, the one thing we've always strived to do is like, make things real on stage between us. So it's like, when you're doing an Edinburgh show and you've done it for three weeks, in order to keep making things real, you have to keep on delving. So like, for example, we have a, a running joke about one of our family members where we found out one of our family members likes to look at a certain type of video online. And, um, and we, we it's, it's brought... Ben, it's Ben's dad. No! <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Let's assume for the sake of the recording that that was repartee and we still don't know. Because I was quite enjoying the game of, hmm, which trying to yeah. cold read you. And so like, we brought that up on stage and the audience didn't care, but we did. And it was like suddenly like a huge injection. I mean, look, I'm kind of fair game. It's fine. I, there's no pushback from me. Yeah. Well, it's not you. It's your dad. <laughs> your weird, weird so dad. pushback from him, but that's, <laughs> that's what he's into. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he Googles. 
Don't go on Urban Dictionary and type in pushback. You're not going to... Back and to the left. Is that <laughs> Lovely callback to a an, different podcast. An inter, that's an inter-podcast callback. So oh. we'll need to say at the beginning, when your one goes out, you'll need to say that, you've got to listen to that one first. So you want to keep it live on stage between you so that the, the relationship between you is real, so that you find freshness in what you're doing yes. by genuinely having arguments. Sometimes. It doesn't ever start as an argument. Like, I think it, it never starts. <laughs> no, but it doesn't start where you're like, oh, I could do this thing to... Like, the idea is always, in any comedy show, is always to try and make the audience laugh. Um, but... I mean, this is the real shit. <laughs> this is the real shit right here. Here's the insights. You're getting under the skin. You're getting a real peek behind Just... the curtains now, guys. Uh, mission accomplished. Um, no, but the I, the I, like, they'll all be doing it. They'll all be doing it. That's the problem now. The secret's out. The Pandora's box has been opened. But, um, but no, the idea is always to sort of, to entertain and to make an audience laugh. So like, the worst is when you start a thing and go, this will be hilarious. And what you've done is not only pissed off a room full of people, but you've also upset your two best friends in the world. That's sort of when it can go horribly. And that kind of happened, that happened a bit on tour when we would do that, you know, because every single night doing the same show and often the audience is, you know, you know what it's like being on tour. It's, it's, a, it's, it's different every single night and not necessarily in a good way, in an exciting way. So, um, but the problem is once you've crossed that line, you go, I've crossed the line, but there's nothing funny about apologising. So, yeah. keep digging. I've got to just keep pushing beyond that line yeah. and hope that the other two are going to get on board or the audience are going to get on board. And what happens is neither of those things happen. Yeah. And you're then. But just... when it works, it's brill. Like when it, when it, when yes. it works, it's, it, it's like, um, you know, when you're playing. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Anyone play golf? <laughs> wow. By the way, like, okay. third streets album when all oh the kind of stuff was about so, the problems of being like, successful. When you're playing golf, if, you, if you're playing a course that dog legs off to the left, oh my right? God! So I, I, no, but hang on, hang, okay, hear me out. Another deep cut from the last podcast. <laughs> Please do more observational stand-up <laughs> because Tom Parry. His experience of life is so different from everyone else I've ever met. Okay. He's I mean, got a real I common admit, touch. He's got a problem with not, towels. He doesn't know what's going this on. This is not an analogy that will ring true for everyone, but like... No. Or, okay. or, in fact, anyone. Okay. No, if, Ty, if Tiger Woods is listening, but there's like... When, when, a, when, a, when a whole dog legs off the left and there's trees there... The way you play the hole is you go that way and then you take your medicine and you play that way. You take two shots. But there's a phrase coming off the tee that's called taking the tiger line because Tiger Woods can just knock the ball straight over the trees. So, like, the idea is, am I going to take the tiger line or am I going to play the dog leg in two shots? And it's like, when you play the tiger line, seven out of ten times you'll lose your ball. Three out of ten times it'll work and you look like Tiger Woods. And it's like... I think with geeks, Tom, Tom you, have stage. N- <laughs> you have never looked like Tiger Woods. I, I, I Tom blacked up on stage and seven of those times it went badly. The other three times it went worse. <laughs> like, I, I think sometimes with a gig, you kind of think, right, we can do our two shots. We can take our medicine. We can, do, we can, we can be on the green in three. Or we can take the tiger line and... <laughs> And sometimes, when you take the tiger line, you end in the woods, and you go, well, I know why I did it, but it didn't work out. But when it works out, it's like you're on the green in one, and you're a fucking right. hero. But and maybe like, just confer with the two other people you're doing the gig with. 
I guess golf <laughs> is all you say. There's that a reason there's no three man golf, isn't there? So are there, are there examples of times when you've uh, taken the tiger line and just <laughs> fucked it completely? Wait, can I just say, Ben and I are not on board with the tiger line. <laughs> it's there, though. I'm, a, I'm 100% shit. on board with Amazing. 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 I, I don't know Do you anything about golf. I don't know anything about golf, but I sort of followed the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what I want is in about five podcast time, when you're doing like Michael McIntyre, you'll be like, Michael, have you ever taken the tiger line? Because <laughs> it's it great. It's <laughs> No! No! Straight to the green for Crosby. There he goes. That's what you call in golf a bullseye. <laughs> let me let me ask you something else because I'm just picturing other comics listening to this and going, "Who is this audience? <laughs> and where why can I so, get one? Why are they so lenient?" <laughs> I do want to talk a bit more about uh, your. Uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned in separate like doing stand up so as opposed to doing uh, sketch stuff, and I do want to talk later on about your sort of separate endeavours. Uh, oh Tom with his award nominated uh, stand up show. Thank you for uh, saying that. Uh, Matthew <laughs> with his stand up show. Yes. Oh. Oh. And, and Ben. Now. <laughs> before. How dare you? What you've just seen there is two dick slaps with one stone. <laughs> but be- before we get to that, <laughs> what a dick! I want to ask you about. I was thinking because it's been such a long time. Like we've known each other since like we all started comedy. Yeah. yeah. And it's been listening back. I was listening back today on the train um, to the episode that we did four years ago, which is like such an incredibly long time ago. Yeah. And yet no time at all. It just seems to have passed by. In a flash. Um, it's time to be reflective this Christmas. Doesn't time elapse? <laughs> it really does. So what I wanted to ask you was, how do you think in the last four or five years, say, because you've, you've done loads of different stuff since then, loads of projects. We'll get on to battles in a little while. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and, uh, what, sure. Hang on. Uh, yeah. That is what, the biggest laugh battle to ever got. Funny. What's so funny, guys? <laughs> It's not battles. But I wanted to ask you, uh, what are the ways in which you think each other have grown most as performers or writers in the last four years? Like, what have you... What changed... What, that is a really good question that I'm not going se- to answer. <laughs> well, let me put it another way. What change have you seen in each other, in, in each other performatively in the last four months? Balding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, <laughs> I think we, well, uh, one of the commitments we made, like, about, about four years ago, maybe, probably around about that time, we made a commitment that we wanted to keep on working together. And we weren't sure how. We're still not sure how. <laughs> like, genuinely. Yeah. If you'd have been sat in the pub with us on Thursday, you wouldn't be laughing right now, because it's a very real conversation we had, yeah, we we're having. Proper, yeah. But it's like, we, we, we're not sure how, but we know we're going to keep on working together for as long as we're working. But that, the, the way that we work together will change. And so, like, I think in terms of, like, seeing how, how that's affected it, is like, inst- when we've stopped being looked at as a whole, as the Pappies guys, then it's like, it's very clear that Ben is by far and away the only good actor in Pappies. 
And it's like, he, he's a very, very good actor. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was just acting smug. <laughs> I mean, it's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? And, and so, like, it, you know, Ben can go for acting roles and get them. He, he goes, he's one of those guys who can get an advert casting all the time and just be in adverts. Like, it's true, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. yeah. And nothing else. No, yeah. <laughs> And I think in some ways, so it's like, it's, so that's made a lot of sense. And Ben started to become like an actor. And Crosby's always been the person in Pappies who sees the jokes in every situation and every scene. And it's like, there should be a joke here. Oh, that's the joke. Or we need to find a joke here. That's the joke. And Matthew always finds the jokes. And so he's increasingly becoming a comedy writer who writes for TV shows and does writing rooms and is employed to find the jokes. And that makes perfect sense. And then, um, increasingly, I'm trying to write, like, longer-form narrative stuff. And, and looking back now, like, the way we used to make our shows, normally I'd be the one who'd go, I think maybe this could be the show. And then that would become the arc of the show, like, the story of the show. And then, uh, you know, we'd fill it with jokes together. But, like, I, I, so, like, I'm starting to write more narrative stuff on my own so the way that the three of us have started to work independently makes perfect sense to me from how we used to work together as parents. That, that, that's true there's a sort of like macro micro and visual t- oh my god um, <laughs> I can tell you now you are as surprised to hear that come out of my mouth as I am <laughs> so but I think uh, the idea that like Tom is big picture sees the uh, the, the, the concept that's always been Tom's strength. I am like moment to moment to moment to moment, which is jokes. Ben is very visual. He's like, here's how the show should look. And I think to a certain extent, that's kind of how our careers have panned out and how things, you know, um, uh, Tom is, is, is trying to write more long form stuff. I'm going into entertainment shows and writing jokes for them. And Ben looks amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'd, I'd also just like to underline how a minute when uh, Tom described it, he was uh, writing more long-form stuff. And when you described it, Tom was trying to write more long-form <laughs> oh, Lovely. I'm so glad you saw that. I'm so glad you picked up on that, Stu. Lovely. Let's be honest. Now, no, no, that's, you know, you, that's, that's the directions that we are kind of pushing in. And Ben? Yeah, yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what they said. <laughs> I, I, like, just specifically, like, that, I, I get the point that you, you've both made, the same point, different words. Yeah, I yeah. made it first. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Tom, let's call it Tom's sure. point. Sure, Tom's point that I sort of punched up. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably not getting this as podcast listeners, but I made it very visually entertaining. <laughs> Ben did an interpretive dance. Well, beautiful cartwheels. But, but, but specifically, like looking at these two chumps over the last four years, what are the things that you've noticed along the way of going? Oh, like, like in, in quite a specific way. <laughs> oh, oh, Ben, sitting next to me. There's no escape, mate. No. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's true. It's difficult to kind of elaborate on a point that's already made, made twice. Do a different one. Do a different one, mate. Uh, <laughs> what about football? <laughs> like I, no. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I, I think it's true. We have kind of found our own niche. Uh, within the group but also Ooh. 
I think it's a good point, but I think that it's still important that we all three do the same things within the group as well. So I, I've often been uh, I've often been guilty of this, where I'm like, oh, well, Tom's good at that, Matthew's good at that. So you talk to them on those specific points, but actually, as a three within what we do, um, there's quite often times where it's like, oh, actually that's a great gag from Tom and that's a great overarching idea from Matthew and that's a really salient point from Ben. <laughs> I think he got away with that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. So this is Pappy's, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you can hear how much we all love each other. What an absolute joy to have these guys back on the show. Um, we'll hear more from them in a moment. Of course, you must, if you haven't already, download the Christmas special episode of Pappy's Flatch... <laughs> I can never say this on the first go. Flat Share Slam Down. Yes, often abbreviated to Flat Slam, so it's just doubly difficult to say. Um, but you can go to uh, wherever you got this episode of the podcast and download that one. In fact... I I mean, I should have said this at the very beginning, but you, uh, you could, we recorded them sequentially. So uh, if you listen to their one first and some of the gags made it through, you might hear certain callbacks to things that were said in that episode in this one. But let's face it, come on, it's Christmas, and who can be bothered to go back and record the opening blurb? Not this guy. Um, so, loads more great stuff coming up from Pappy's. Good deal of Advocat being drunk during this uh, show as well. I managed to swerve all of the Advocat. I'm very lucky. Is it Advocat or Advocat? Difficult to say. couple more things before we get back to Pappy's, because uh, I want to hear the rest of this episode myself. Remember to subscribe for your Christmas special treat. Okay, that is going to go out probably... When will I do it? Something like four days from now? It's only going to be up there for one week, so you're not going to get your free Christmas gift if you are not subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you've sub- sub- you subscribe. I'm going to put it up there very briefly and hoik it away again, because, you know, it's a thing that I don't just want to give away for free, but you guys, you subscribers, get to listen to it. Um, the tour is starting to sell, but we can always sell more tickets to the tour. If you go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour, you can see all of the places in the UK that I'm going to come to. Um, I should have a list of them now, but I drove to some of them. I'll tell you more about that in the not waffle at the end of the show. Um, I ended up doing... No, I'll, I'll tell you about it then. There's no need to repeat it now. So if you are someone who would like to support the tour, if you know that you're going to come or you suspect you might come, if you have a place of work where which is a cafe or a shop or has a staff room where you could put up one of the posters, and really, I mean, I'm, I suppose what I'm hoping is that people see the posters and go, who the hell put that up in the staff room? You have conversations, you say, hey, it's this guy, he's really funny, and then you bring them along as well. But if you would like to be part of that, and a few of you have already done this, so my very great thanks to you, just send me an email info at comedianscomedian.com with the subject line cavalry and uh, we will start a conversation about that and how many posters you think you need and I'll chuck you a few in the post I mean I, I did that last year it was I, it's impossible to tell whether it was successful or not frankly but it was just fun to do and it's good I, I like communicating with you guys and I, I feel very cherished by you lot as well and hey it's Christmas so let's enjoy that thank you for your donations comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate if you'd like to set up a recurring payment of for example £2 a month uh, or if you want to do a one one-off payment uh, of what's the equivalent because it's Christmas let's say if you want to drop me a, a one-off payment the equivalent of getting someone a DVD <laughs> well, that's, that's reasonable isn't it buy me a DVD for Christmas by which I mean I'll just have the money <laughs> that's better than vouchers isn't it right um, let's I mean I'm, I'm just giddy laughing at this one in the edit so let's get back to the fabulous pappies <laughs> As much as you feel comfortable, tell us about the conversation on Thursday. 
Um, we've been about? we've been kind of like semi gigging still. Like so, we've been doing like maybe one gig a month, two gigs a month. And we is haven't. That, is that secret dudes or is that a, no? Oh, no that's, like, that's a separate. Yeah. yeah, like club okay. club gig. We'll so get to, we'll get to that. the general sense was where we're at at the moment, which is every month we put out two podcasts together, two different podcasts. And we do a live night at the Soho Theatre where they've given us a residency. So, like, we, we sing with a band and we have great guests on who are our friends to do comedy and, like, we just have this big fuck around. So, like, every month we're doing three definite things together. But then on top of that, we've been doing occasional live gigs and we haven't changed our live set for... <laughs> for maybe that's a knowing laugh. Yeah, but for maybe like, yeah. can we yeah. can we ask the fan base? No, pick a y- number of years. Yeah, How what do you think we're going to say? Go on. Five. No, Five. fucking come on. I mean, it's well four it's years. At least ten. really four years. Like since it's been four years since we wrote the new sketches for Lasho Ever. Like uh, twenty minute. Four, we've got twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes. That's like as we see it, a bulletproof club set, you know? And we haven't changed that since... By the way, we're doing the Comedy Store on the 12th, so Let's if find you want out to how see anyone is. be pierced by bullets, they <laughs> couldn't hit them. Are you really? You're doing the store? Yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. the store. Uh, yeah. Have you Don, done it before? No, Don saw... It's, it's, it's a Monday night, and Don is doing these sort of cabaret nights, and he saw us in Edinburgh. Um, I'll, I'll call you, I'll tell you what it was like. Um, but um, he, he saw us and was like, oh, yeah, you work over 20 minutes because you've only ever seen us do hours in Edinburgh. Okay. And he said, come and do, like, the Christmas cabaret. But, like, mid-December, it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is in mid-December because every night is Friday night. Sure. For those that don't know, the Comedy Store in London, certainly in the UK, is reputed to have the highest quality control of any booking policy. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. It's, that's, the, that's a kind well, of We've done, kind we've of done charity to... gigs there a bunch of times and every time Dong says, oh, that was great, I'll get you down, you're really good and then we never hear from him. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we, yeah. we have done the store. So, he, he, yeah, he, 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 he's called us up and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I hope yeah. it goes well, you know. Although obviously. we also did the store on one night and it was a Montreal tryout night. Oh, yeah. And um, we died... Were you there? Just wiping, <laughs> your hands, wiping your hands by clapping twice. I thought either she was there, she knows the relevance uh, of said, Montreal, or she's said, Canadian. <laughs> and, um, dirty hands. There was a review of the night, and I, I believe it was Chortle, that said, it was Chortle. if the wheels were starting to come off the gig, they were kicked forcibly off their axis <laughs> by pappies. <laughs> Uh, that was a nice one. It's it? that yeah. funny thing as well that you always remember word for word bad reviews. Like every comic, especially the comics you say, I don't read my reviews. And you go, why not? And they go, well, because you know the Independent said this. And you go, well, that's reading reviews. But like, I, I, that still is etched on my the back of my brain. Started to come off. They were kicked forcibly kicked off. Forcibly off. Just while we're on the subject, any others stinkers reviews? Well. Started a review in Edinburgh once by saying, every year these sketch groups insist on returning to the fringe. He reviewed us and Idiots of Ants and the Penny Dreadfuls. And uh, I was so tempted to text him and say, every year these critics insist on... But I am a I was tempted to find the cunt and kick the shit out of him, but that's a different thing. Fair enough. Um, uh, Sub... It was it was a sub Vic and Bob sixth form common room nonsense was 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 Logan Brian Logan's first Brian Logan two stars yes. Guardian who then later uh, gave you five yeah he, yeah yeah we won him round he came he came, <laughs> he came around because we're so good um, but uh, but yeah we it's, were we were so good weren't we <laughs> twenty twelve um, but but yeah it's uh, 
they, they, they do stick in the mind. Any, any others that... No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's... No, yeah. But the chat was basically, we, we've done that set so many times now, and it's like, we're not getting anything from it anymore, and it's like, we, we, should, we should either stop doing club sets or come up with a brand new club set. And, Guess um, which one we picked. <laughs> <laughs> and because we're doing quite a lot of solo stuff at the moment, like, the fact that we can put uh, two podcasts out a month and have a live night, and it's like, if we just take care of those, it means we can still be productive, still work together. But it's that thing of, like, I think a lot of comics have it, or a lot of, well, I don't know, maybe if they don't, but um, we feel like we're underachievers. I feel like, like we feel like we're not doing anything. We went for a meeting the other day, and we were like, we're not doing anything at the moment. We're doing two podcasts a month and a, and a, and a live residency, which is always new every time we do it. And he was like, that's loads of stuff. Yeah. You're actually doing loads of stuff. But because we, you know, this other thing we don't, we feel is sort of slightly stagnated. We're like we, we sort of flagellate ourselves about it. But um, I think it's probably a good idea. Like one of the, the best things we did um, in our career as uh, Edinburgh performers was take a, a year away. Yeah. Just go away from it for a bit. Just stop doing it for a bit, and then come back. You know, the thing is, we've always done so many different things. We've all done stand... What, go on. Can I just say this? I, I, I direct Edinburgh... We all direct Edinburgh shows when we're not in Edinburgh because yeah. it's a lovely way to still be part of the festival. And um, I directed Beasts last year who were very pappies in their energy and their st- the structure of their shows. Yeah. And I'd been up there for the first week for the first six shows um, and the, uh, the venue staffs in Edinburgh, they're all students. They're all like 18, 19 years old. And I was waiting to go into one of the B shows, and there were these two venue staff. And I arrived to go and see Beast, and they like started chuckling at me. And I was like, well, "What are you laughing at?" And they said, "Oh, we were just talking about you. Actually, we were saying you'd be so good as a member of Beasts. Like we could so see it. Like you'd be so brilliant." And I said, "Oh, um, I'm kind of um, I'm in a sketch group actually. Um, they're called Pappies." And they kind of went, "Oh." And I said, yeah, in fact, we were in the same venue. We were in this venue, and we got nominated. And they said, what year was that? And I said, oh, it was 2012. And they both went, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Like, that's, that's so long ago for these yeah. people. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's like really, that's one of the nice things about Edinburgh is like, if you're not active and you're not there and you're not doing stuff, then you're kind of dead in the water. Yeah, that's one of the nice things. <laughs> it is, though. It's a good is thing. There, it's a good thing. Is there a... Given that you're... you're uh, not, I mean, it was called Last Show Ever, not necessarily your last show ever, but, is there, but because it was so well-reviewed and nominated, did you win or did you... I, I genuinely don't remember. We they don't we exist. Won. We won. We won. No, we no, no such thing as an award. Um, is there any fear in terms of, like, if you produce another hour, if you would ever consider going back then you're going back to a legacy which is like, well, we were heroes a few years ago. Let's not shit on the legacy. I think it's always difficult when you stop. If you take a year off, then that kind of grows, the kind of fear that your last show is a really good one. So if, you, uh, you know, like if, if you're in the rhythm always going, it's fine just to kind of, kind of roll with the punches. And what we did there was, you know, we haven't been back since. So every year that kind of grows where you kind of go, well, if we do go back, it's going to have to be at least that good or better. So it's not actually the show that's intimidating. It's kind of the, the period of time where that's kind of sat and kind of just festered. Yeah, I guess if you're there every year, you're allowed to have a few years where you go, like, well, yeah, that was a bit of a dodgy one, but here I am next year doing another thing. Um, yeah, but at the same time, 
like it's 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 good to have had that one year where you were like, yeah, that was that was great. And actually, by the time we finished the tour, like we did, we did. Um, we did that show probably 25 times in Edinburgh, 26 times in Edinburgh. Then we did it uh, for 20 nights at the... Oh, we did it on tour for 35 dates, then 20 nights at the Soho Theatre. By the end of it, all you can see are the floors. You know, all, you, all we could see were, like, that bit isn't quite firing and there's a big gap between laughs, you know, in, in, in this moment. Um, but then we had to go off and do another project, which was, which was, was Bad Alts. So we ended up going off and doing that and then... Uh, Kind of like the thing with Battles is, I think we thought potentially that could lead to uh, us doing more live stuff and people going, oh, we're fans of Battles. But there was a sort of weird, disjointed thing between uh, people not knowing who, like, Pappies and, like, because everything we fucking do, we call it a different name, (laughs) Uh, which is like, you know, has helped us maintain our indie rock integrity. But. But at the same time, means that like, oh, do you like do you like adults? Yeah, I do. Uh, have you heard of Pappies? No. Um, what about Flatshare Standout? What's that? What Secret Dudes? Who knows? Like it's every every time. It's because we like giving things names. Um, so we had this thing where we did a little tour post adults, where we we retoured last show ever, and everyone who came was people who come to the last tour because they wanted to see the show again. And occasionally someone would have a Bad Alt CVD and go, could you sign this? But very, very rarely. So it's, it was like this sort of weird thing that we thought it might... We thought telly might lead to more... Like a bigger live following. But it... Um, but it sort of didn't really. Didn't there was really. just a disconnection between the, the, or, two, the two entities. Oh, whereby... potentially, or people just fucking hated the stuff we did on telly. I mean, that could also have happened. I, I don't really know. I mean, if you read Twitter... Yeah, that is what happened. <laughs> I, I can remember quite clearly wanting Last Show Ever to be our Last Show Ever. Like, it's one of the reasons why I wanted it to be called Last Show Ever. And, and one of the discussions we had was, like, we can't call it Last Show Ever because it sounds like it's going to be our Last Show Ever. And in the back of my mind was, like, I think this will be our Last Show Ever. But that's only because I just recently read your, your dad's internet history. Yeah, so you were like, right, yeah. I know but what the like, next show is going to be about. Like, I, act- I, I actually really thought this will probably be our last ever Edinburgh show. But then Phil Mack, well, the promoters didn't want us to call it that because they thought there's going to be more shows. And so we, we really did well to sell it as, like, it's part of the theme of the show. It's a dummy. There's the narrative of the show. But in my head, it is our last show ever. And I think if, if it's not our last show ever in terms of Edinburgh, then it better be, fa- there better be a really fucking good reason that it isn't. And in my head, there's a reason why we called it last show ever. So is this what you were talking about on Thursday? Is that is that one of the? Well, that was the question. Like, what's yeah. the? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> it's all. This is all the stuff that question was intended to bring up, and I don't. You know, obviously, it was a confidential chat. No, 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 no. Share anymore. No, we're happy, happy, happy to share it. But, I, I, but I'm interested in the different personalities and where you're coming from on, like, whether there is a, a clash between what you want from it. I think creatively, uh, like, I had a really nice chat with a guy who said he's reading a book about chess. <laughs> to switch from golf to chess. <laughs> I love that you're removed from it. I had a chat with a guy right. who he was yes. reading a book about chess. So, so, and I don't know, I know fuck all about chess, but I know, in fact, I used to be in a chess club because you got an early dinner pass at a secondary uh, school. So we used to so, say, we we're going to chess club, jump the dinner queue. Yeah. Save up for that sweet photocopy of mine. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Which, by the way, is a Gotta have a goal. Because that is a reference to something that won't be in the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's just for you people here, but I'm keeping it in my one. Beautiful. <laughs> no sense. 
Um, and he said, like, the thing with chess is, he said, like, there's, there's different stages of the game when grandmasters are playing each other. And he said, there's the long-term strategy, there's the end game that they all know they're working towards, and one grandmaster has a strategy that he's working towards, and so does the other. And in between them working to the big strategy, there's, there's a large part of the game where you're literally just moving the pieces around. And it's like the small bit of the game is you're moving the pieces around, but actually there's a long strategy and they can do the moving the pieces around because they know there's a long strategy. Like, I think if you know what the end game is, what the strategy that you're working towards is, then you can do the moving the pieces around and because there's a bigger plan. Now, like, I think for us in terms of Edinburgh, I don't know if there's anything else we want to do up there that we haven't already done. And when we did last show ever, now, now that will, I that, and I, I really hope that will change. I think it will. I think that's true of like you know not just Edinburgh, but sort of the the, the career. Is that, is that, is that yeah? Fair that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. It's like we it's did like, a bunch of things we wanted to do, and now we've done them. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like so after having having done Edinburgh and done it to the best of our ability, and then done a TV show that we got two series of and got to write and be in it ourselves. It's kind of like, actually, what is, there, what is the end strategy then? If, if, if it's not what you've already achieved, and then if you haven't got an end strategy, then you are just moving pieces around. I think that's a big question for me, is like, what's the end strategy? And I used to know, and I think we, we played that game, and now the new strategy isn't there yet. And so we're moving pieces around. <laughs> And I think we, we're, very sh- we're very sure that we like playing with each other. Uh, <laughs> all right, come on. I like Get your minds out of the gutter. I like to think this audience were laughing with joy at the resolution of the chest. Yeah. Analysis. <laughs> I, think, I think most... No, that guy's shaking. No, 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 that's not our crowd. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it's that. And is that view shared by all of you? Well, I, I don't necessarily, when someone asks me a question about myself, refer to chess grandmasters or Tiger Woods. <laughs> But if I could just... What, you don't take the Tiger line? If I could just... Uh, What's wrong with you? If I could just uh, reference the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, then... <laughs> I, I... Yes. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think, I think uh, we've had... We've had goals. Some goals that have been goals we've wanted and some goals that have been presented in front of us and we've gone, yeah, we'll take that goal. And I think uh, the goals we wanted was to do Edinburgh very, very well. We always had that as a plan from when we first started. The, the, the sitcom... Like, we, we, we pitched for it, but it slightly took us by surprise that it happened as quickly as it sort of did. And um, it, it, took, it took, like, we started pitching that show in 2008 and it got commissioned in 2012. So it's a long time in the sort of, you know, not a long time in the grand scheme of life, but a long time, you know, four years to be waiting to see if something actually happens and then it does. Um, but at the same time, that, like, I don't think our goal was ever to have a TV show. We just, we, we loved doing live, we wanted to do that live stuff. Uh, but at the moment, we've done so. We've done Edinburgh uh, to a um, an almost award-winning standard. We've done uh, we've 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 done our own sitcom. You know, we did two series of that, and phenomenally, phenomenally proud of 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 the of the finished product. And now it's like, what what is it that we want to do? And I don't think we've never sat down in a room and gone, "That's the new thing." And I think that's the. You know, that's sort of where we are at the moment. And that's kind of why we decided we're probably going to not do as much live in 2017 because, because uh, sort of what, why? Why, why, why would we do that? Why we, we're doing a lot of old material and we're, we're you know, from a purely financial point of view, we're splitting the money three ways and you know that the money on the circuit is fine. It's, you know, 
and if you spit it three ways, it's not fine. Um, so, so what, you know, what's the what's the purpose unless we're going to write new stuff? And actually, we've got the creative outlet of doing flat chest slam now, which we we love doing, and has uh, you know. An, a, I believe it has 130 listeners, and they're all here tonight. Um, <laughs> no, but like we, we have like a, an audience who love what we do, uh, and, and they and they come and see the live shows, and they, and they listen, and it's great. It's it's amazing, um, and so we we keep doing the live shows of this, and then we keep doing the secret dues, and that seems to be that seems to be sort of scratching that itch. I think for me, anyway. And for you, Ben. <laughs> I think it's tricky for me because I find uh, comedy a very collaborative uh, thing, personally. I've never done a solo show. And so I like to work with people uh, when I do it. So I've directed some shows over the last couple of years, directed Tom's and a couple of others. And so... Yeah, cheers I- for that. <laughs> You directed Tom's award-nominated show. Yeah. I did. Oh, yes. I didn't realise you were in that game. And Matthew produced. I was going to say that when we get round, when we get back round to that, like the solo <laughs> stuff, it was, it was like a team achievement because I did the solo show. Matthew effectively produced it, and Ben directed it. And it's like I think you're misusing the word effectively. <laughs> <laughs> I produced it effectively. I didn't effectively produce it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so when that nomination came in, it was very much a team win really yeah. and it was celebrated what happened to the team? prize money I'm just out of interest because <laughs> you, you get a bit of money for being a, do you what I, I totally get where you're coming from it's a shame that slightly takes the tooth out of the joke but you're fair enough yes. <laughs> um, but I want to get back to Ben being all sad <laughs> yeah Ben are you happy are you happy though that's what we need to are you happy but are you happy no I'm not sad at all but I do find that um I like to work with people, and so uh, that's the tricky thing where I think when I look back at what we've done, I think like we were most effective when we worked together and we did uh, Lasho Ever. And so it's potentially tricky where you, uh, you're not, you know, um, we still work together all the time, and it's just kind of finding new ways for us to work together and also new ways for us to work with uh, new people which we do quite a lot now I cried like um, when <laughs> you cry yeah when we when do you this, cry this is like this is a really shitty thing to this I, I'm this like as a confession but like the one thing I think about Edinburgh and the one thing I tell everyone who whoever we direct and stuff is like you can't be obsessed with the award and the award doesn't mean anything when we got nominated for Last Show Ever, and especially because I'd really, I really thought it was going to be our Last Show Ever in Edinburgh, and I wanted it to be our Last Show Ever. I know that. I think that's why we pushed hard for it to be called Last Show Ever. And then we had the reviews, and then we got nominated. And in my head, and to jump sports again, <laughs> like, you look at Nico Rosberg, right? <laughs> right? No, no, no. Oh, my and that's God. A very, that's a really... Harry. <laughs> I swear to God. Harry. I swear to God, Harry Crosby, <laughs> just get into sport, man. You'd love it. <laughs> In my head, like when Nico Rosberg did. So, so yeah, it's, it's exactly that. Like, so Nico Rosberg, Formula One driver, always been second best to Lewis Hamilton, never as good. This year, ground out a result. Lewis Hamilton had lots of mechanical failures. 
And all he had to do for the final three races was finish second, finish second, finish second. He'd be world champion. And Lewis Hamilton tried to do everything to try and stop him from finishing second. Slow down so he'd finish third and everything. Nico Rosberg stuck at it, stuck at it. And Rosberg, world champion, he's only about 30 years old. World champion, and he quit. And it was a shock to the entire Formula One world. Everyone was taken aback. And he said, all I've ever wanted in my life is to win the world championships... And then, no, I can stop doing it. And I didn't realise, and I hate myself for this a little bit, not like in a, ah, but like when we were nominated for Last Show Ever and it had been reviewed so well and we were like, everyone was saying, ah. I knew in my head I I wanted to do what Nico Rosberg's just done. I knew what I really wanted us to do was win the prize um, and, and then we wouldn't go back. And I... We, we didn't win, and it was a fa- I saw the show that won, and it was an incredible show, Dr. Brown. Very incredible guy. But we, were, we didn't win. We went to the pub afterwards. It was only like one o'clock in the afternoon, and I cried my eyes out. Like someone, like, like I sobbed. And I'd held it back, and I didn't want to. I was so embarrassed. And I didn't realise how much I wanted it until we didn't win it. And I, I actually realised why we wanted it. It wasn't necessarily to win it and be a winner and be like, oh, that's the launch of our career. It's because I wanted to be like, we've won it, and that's the end of that chapter, and that's done. And we didn't, and I was, and like, I, I think... Um, on the panel was um, Bruce Dessa was on the panel and he and he walked past and went oh you were so close mate just means you're going to have to come back next year and I just thought I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to mate uh, I've, I, I've, I've, we've given it fucking everything there mate and I cried like a baby and it wasn't because I felt like a sore loser it's because I wanted to do what Nico Rosberg's just done <laughs> and I I just thought that would for me that, that would have been just perfect. And uh, do you know what? The, uh, to, to, to go back on that, that night we did our Advocar special that was booked in. We did the show, then we had a late night Advocar special booked in. And we did it, we, and we bought fucking so much Advocar, didn't we? We had, like, we had like 20 bottles of Advocar, and we got out there, and we were taking the piss out of the whole festival. And Bruce Dessau, who was on the panel, was in the fourth row. And we made the entire show about Bruce Dessau being in the front <laughs> row. And, and that night, like, we drank all the Advocar, and it was, without a doubt, my favourite night of comedy I've ever taken part in. It was, like, perfect, because we joked all the way through about not winning... And we took the piss out of Bruce Dessau and, and, and it finished and there was like, the room just went mental. And I realised like, in my head it was like, it's so much funnier not to win. Like, it's so much funnier to lose. And like, pappies are losers. We, like, yeah, we're sort of perennial losers. No, no, we are. Yeah. There's a reason why it's an Advocar special and not like a fucking Prosecco special. <laughs> like, Advocar... Prosecco? Oh, Prosecco! <laughs> of all the things that picks me. By the way, that that cements our loser status. It, like Tom's like, what's the most expensive drink? Prosecco. No, I didn't want to say champagne. A bottle. I didn't want to say champagne. But like, listen, you guys, know. We're, we're Lamborghini girls and we want to have fun. <laughs> Still waiting for that advert to come in, aren't we? Um, but like, like uh, that night was like, oh, do you know what? It's so good that we didn't win because that night was like, it's so funnier to lose and like it, we should be losers. And also, crying's for pussies. Now let's. <laughs> Crying, uh, but but you know it's it, that that's that's true. It's that funny. It's that funny thing because it isn't actually. It's it's not important, but when you get involved, it becomes important. You know, and it really it really isn't important because it didn't really not at all. No, that's it. It didn't really change 
anything in that we like we we we, we were had pitched the show Bad Alts just before Edinburgh before the nomination. Uh, we got the commission to do a series like straight away, no pilot, nothing. It was amazing to do a series straight away. So we knew what the rest of our next year was going to look like. And that's like. sort of like getting a, a series with no pilot is the most. It's kind of the most anyone could hope for from a win. Totally, totally. I mean, a huge mistake on BBC Three's part, but um, <laughs> but it was a, yeah, it was it was totally it was totally amazing. Um, but I fucking like the thing I do like about the live circuit. And again, there's a reason we're not doing so much of it anymore because of the you know just not turning over new material. But the live circuit is amazing because it will it, it gives you a kicking like every 25 seconds. If your joke you think is hilarious doesn't quite land. It's a proper like kick in the stones, and it's it's that's very useful for comics who are terrible, terrible people who compare like tiny little things to great achievements by sportsmen. You know, it's like it's like that's what you need. You need a constant swift kick to the jaffers every twenty five seconds when a joke doesn't quite land. That's exactly what there's you a, need. There's a really good tweet by um, Luke Haynes on Twitter. Yes. Do you know Luke Haynes? He was of in the a, auteurs. Yeah, 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 he was in the auteurs in the 90s, kind of like the scourge of British music in terms of... And he said, I love Jarvis Cocker. And I, Jarvis is like one of my absolute heroes. He said, I love Jarvis Cocker, but he's in danger of becoming a curator, not a creator. And there was, but, but, but there's something so brilliant. I read that and I was like, there's something so brilliant in that. Because Jarvis has stopped putting out material and started just being like this song's great and this song's great and becoming a curator. But unless you're putting yourself at jeopardy, unless you're still in the position of the people who are your peers and you're putting yourself at risk, then there's something so true about that. It's like you can so easily stop and be like, yeah, we were good. Or Jarvis can be like, yeah, I was great. I did that and that and that. But unless... The, pe- the people who don't stop working keep putting themselves at jeopardy. Like, the risk that you take every time you go on stage and say shit or put out a new song or fucking take a shot off the tee that's over the trees <laughs> to come back to that analogy. But it's like, like fucking Tiger Woods got a quick golf. He's not. He's back. He's playing. He's not as good as he used to be, but he's still playing. And he gets slated for it. But, like, that's because he's fucking going. And it's like, I think that, that thing of saying your risk of being a curator or a creator, there's something brilliant in that. To say, like, you can't stop and think, well, that was great that we did. It's like, you've okay. got to keep moving, you know? Let's, so, go on. Why, why are you stopping? <laughs> because I want to keep, like, I'm not stopping. That's the thing. Is like, I think the, the things that we're doing separately is, like, for me, it feels like progress, not like, like, and it's because I still can't see. If there was, like, we had this chat the other day. You and I didn't, we were mm. drunk, and we were saying, like, if ever there was a time for a political show, like, like for example, like we've never, ever done a political show, and I think we all feel very strongly about it, like the, the world's becoming insanely politicised since 2012, for example. And it's like, if we put our minds to doing a political show, what would that look like? What would a Pappy's political show be? Would it be any good? Would it be shit? I don't know. Yeah. It might excite the, uh, the audience to know a very right-wing. <laughs> well, that's it. That's what I mean. Like, alt-right... Need, they need to laugh. I mean, know? they're very serious, those guys, and they need to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Hail Pappies. Yeah. <laughs> we, and that's the title. That's the title, we, come on. <laughs> it's Pepe's Fun Club, and that is a deep, all right oh! reference. That is a oh, deep cut. Right. That deep. is a deep, all right reference. Oh! Uh, all right, all lols. That's what we're calling the show. So. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. But, is, but no, no, but that's, that's, that, I, I think that's we we need a, like if we were to do more. What I love, I love Secret Dudes. I love uh, uh, Pappy's Bangers and Mashers, our other, our other podcast. I love uh, Flat Slam. All of this stuff is really, really good fun. But if we were to do a big new thing, it needs to be a like a, a big turn of the, of the screw. I think it needs to be a big. Well, I think you need to know what the end game is. Is that to go, to keep on. Mixing well, my metaphors. No, no, but, but what, you need to know what the what, what is the Brazilian I, Grand Prix going to be. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I slightly disagree. I think you need to be excited enough by the prospect of finding an end game. That's it. That's it. You have I to don't see think you that need point. to know where it, where where you're heading, but you need to be excited enough about the prospect of a journey. Or you just need to put yourself in enough jeopardy that you create something good, regardless of the um, result. Well, none of us agree on anything. <laughs> Which That's why we're us, no longer doing live. Which brings us to bad olds. Yes. Um, okay, here's something you said on the podcast four years ago before you filmed bad olds. Wow. Amazing, yes, let's do it. Okay, so um, on stage you have absolute control. This is, this is dot, dot, dot in between. These are various bits you said. I can't stand the fact that someone over there is going to control what it looks like. You were talking about hypothetically. I sound like a Brexit campaign. <laughs> <laughs> When an immigrant, sorry, when an audience, when an audience is in a room with you, they make a creative leap with you. And Matthew, you were saying you can't practice telly. And you said there's a, a ton of people who don't under... <laughs> I can't remember the context for that one. There's a ton of people who don't understand what your comedy is. Made sense when I wrote it down. Let's get back to... You can't... I'd practice- Wait a second, what did I say? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? On my list, I've got Ben... And it's just space. So I was expecting <laughs> I was expecting to write something down. But so the point I'm making is that you you went into the process of making bad alts, I think, knowing that it was gonna be very different to the things which were your strongest suit. Mm-hmm. So That's talk true. to us and let's start with Ben because he hasn't said much. Oh, baby. Talk to us about going into Bad Ops and the excitement and what you expected from it and whether you tried to strategize about how you were going to make it how you wanted. Well, I don't think we did a lot of strategy in that we just wanted to make a funny show. And we loved the process of making it, but I think always from the start, it was a bit of a square peg in a round hole in that we were doing something in a very um, traditional format, something that we really like, the studio sitcom... Uh, but we were trying to sell that on like a BBC Three audience, so we kind of had this kind of contemporary edge, which none of us have. And was that a case of, like they said, you can make a show, but it's got to be on BBC Three, and you went, well, let's make a show, knowing that maybe that wasn't the right place for it. Even more, go on. Even more than that, we wrote, we wrote... We wrote the pilot script for Badults as a single camera because yeah. everything we'd been done for telly was in front of an audience. And the translation when you've got a live studio audience there is very problematic. And we wanted a direct relationship with the camera, so we deliberately wrote it as a single camera sitcom. And if, you, uh, like, if anyone were to go back and look through the episodes, there's like loads of cinema refer- like spoofs of how things are shot. The way they're shot will make it look like that film and that's the joke or it'll suddenly look like Jurassic Park now in a studio sitcom you can't do that uh, when they came to us and said they want badults they said it needs to be a studio sitcom and it needs to be BBC Three now we always wanted it to be single camera but of course if someone offers you the chance to make a TV series then you take it but you're all, we were always making a studio sitcom on BBC Three and when you look at the 
target demographic for BBC Three, which is under the age of 24, studio sitcom is like, it's almost like teaching Latin in a modern day comprehensive school. It's like, it's literally a dead language to those people. And like, there's a reason why House of Fools did well on BBC Two and why Mrs. Brown Boy sells on BBC Four because the people watching that are all over the age of 30 and they understand and they grew up. Sorry. And they understand. (laughs) BBC Four is like Paul Morley documentaries about about how important the clash was. My point still stands. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, like that that is, it's it's almost like trying to do studio sitcom to a post-office generation of kids is like teaching Latin. It's like... We may as well just just put out like Birth of a Nation. They just Which don't also understand it. fits with our politics as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was our first pitch, wasn't it? <laughs> it was our first pitch. That was what we initially wanted. It's Birth of a Nation, the studio sitcoms. So, so like we knew we were always up against it, but then you either embrace, you either embrace the form and go with it, or you don't. And like it's like so we did. And, um, it was quite funny, actually. Like the, the the jokes we wrote for the first series and the jokes we wrote for the second series were were quite distinct because we would write. I mean, it was it's still bad old, so this is going to seem a bit weird. But like subtler jokes, like more sarcastic, more sardonic uh, jokes, we would write, and the audience, uh, which would be three hundred people in Glasgow, um, you know, who wanted to see a big silly sitcom. Uh, wouldn't laugh at the asides they'd laugh at the big jokes so we sort of stripped away those but I think the second series we were more successful because we knew what we were doing we knew we, you know, and, the, and the show was we knew our voices we knew what we were doing and we wrote so like instead of we wrote amazing jokes I think for that series but we also wrote really elaborate really exciting high concept plots for the second series more so than the first I reckon but unfortunately the final day that we did uh, the sec- film, the second series of, 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 of Bad Alts, the final episode, uh, BBC Three shut down. Um, uh, it was very it exciting. Was so funny. It was really funny because we all write an episode incredible. about like Carabine, uh, Carabine's office, who was the, like yeah. the the, my, the, pla- the place I worked. The Carabine um, uh, Promotions office was shutting down as well, and Carabine was like shredding paper and like smashing up laptops and stuff. And we would watch our execs. Like, we'd be filming the scenes and our executives would be running off, like, talking on the phone to a real office where <laughs> Zai Bennett, the head of uh, yeah. BBC Three, who's now over at Sky, who was our big champion, was going, yeah, guys, I'm off. <laughs> like, you know, like, he was just, he was, like, fucking off out of there because it, the BBC Three wasn't, wasn't going to be a thing anymore. Um, we're, we're very good at closing down formats. Yeah. yeah. We, we did kill a programme. We, we did the last Comedy Lab. The yeah. last comedy, the last series that, of Comedy was Lab. Was that Mr. and Mrs. Hotty Hot Hot? No, no, that was our Pappy's Fun Club was Comedy Lab. Comedy okay. Showcase was Mr. and Mrs. Hotty Hot Hot. Last ever. Um, the last ever time they did that. <laughs> um, we were the last show filming on the day BBC Three closed. So, guys, if you want to work with us, <laughs> we're definitely a really, really good talisman for good success and, and, and good luck. Yeah. It, but, but yeah, so. Um, could you have done it any differently? Could you have made it work differently, knowing now what you knew? Um, knowing then what I you mean, knew like, now? what we did, what we did was we we did that for the second series because the the first series was six episodes of people learning on the job. Like we were learning what to do, and and there's like. Um, I don't know whether is I don't know whether this is something I said or something I or heard something someone said. say. <laughs> Either I Gandhi said, said, drive the green. I, 
he's a great golfer. Very aggressive. You've got to take the Gandhi line. Uh, I know, it's not, not very aggressive, sorry. Gandhi's not very aggressive. Um, the, um, the, it, it's like your first series, you're creating a world, and the second series, you're inhabiting it. And it's so much easier to inhabit a world than the first series. Yeah, you said where it. Where you're creating it. <laughs> kind of sounds like something I'd say, guys. Um, so, but like, like, that, like the second series, we are so fiercely proud of. And we genuinely, like, I, I would put it up there like this... Two or three episodes in that series where I would say, put that up against anything you want. Like, I'm so, we are so proud of them. But it's like the first series. Well, we don't, we don't all say exactly the same thing. We say different things. But, um... <laughs> but like, but it's true, isn't it? Like, as soon as, the, as soon as that first series finished, I think the overwhelming feeling was, give us a chance to do it again because now we know what we're doing. Yeah, that, that And was then amazing. we made the second series and we knew what we were doing and we did exactly what we were. We watch it back. I mean, like, the only thing I'd change in Badults is I would recast Matthew and I. Like, uh, and that's not a joke. No, that's like, not a joke at I all. Would, I would put, I think if we were smarter, well, there's a guy Let's... who's doing, the guy who's the lead in School of Rock in the West End at the moment, mm-hmm. Luke Barnes. Is it Luke Barnes? He's, this, he's a great actor, and it's like, whenever I see him, it's like, he should be Tom. I would fucking love it if he was Tom. I, I would have enjoyed Battle so much if it was Tom, and then any other cunt being Matthew. Literally. <laughs> like, Could have been anyone. Do you know what? Any actor. For me, it would have been Ben Kingsley, but you have to brown up. <laughs> Um, like, I, I feel like I feel like crucially, and, and actually, we had, a, we had a very funny chat where there was a guy in America who was interested in taking battles to the states, and they said, "Would he be interested in being in it?" And the overwhelming agreement was like, no. "We want Clarky to be in it, yeah, and cast two American actors and have Clarky in there as the token Brit, but like, don't put us in it." Yeah. Like, and I think I think that was a big, it was a big realization that came too late, where it's like, "Oh, I don't want to be an actor. I don't think I'm an actor. I don't think I should be that guy." But I know there'd be a really good actor who'd be really good at being that guy. The, 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 the funny thing is that, like, you know, you do yourself down, Tom, but um, you're a very good performer, but a terrible actor. And I think that's not, that's not a, you know, like, you were all at the uh, Flatshare Slamdown record. Like, when you're doing uh, Fanshawe, it's amazing. It's really funny, and I really enjoy it. And it re- like, it's brilliant. But at the same time, it's, it's like, <clears throat> the thing we're good at doing is being in front of an audience, it's not acting though. Like that's the thing. It's like you put actors in there. Yeah. It's like that's why you know when you look at the young ones, it's like yes, Rick and Ada are in there, but they're surrounded by fucking good comedy actors. Actors, you know. And it's like Seinfeld, and it's like Seinfeld's in there, and everyone else in there are actors. He's a good actor. Yeah. And it's like that's what we didn't do. But then that was never on the agenda and when- until the first episode got it, and then you watch it and you kind of go, okay, like, and I know I'm, I can't watch this objectively. I know I have to watch it subjectively because that's me, but even I can tell that I'm not an actor. <laughs> like, you know? So it's like, that should be an actor. And, and, and that's what I think we will try and do next, is we'll write a sitcom that none of us will be in, or, like, maybe one of us will be in. Guess who? Which but like, one? Yes. I, but like, <laughs> that's but so like, nice of you to write but, a sitcom for me. Like, <laughs> like, no, no when Crosby, coming soon to BBC Three. Oh, it's... <laughs> when you recorded it, were you just... You mentioned the audience there... Were you able to invite Pappy's fans to be the audience? No, we were in Glasgow. So, like, the vast majority of people were just Glaswegians who'd come and see a studio sitcom. And we worked really hard to make those nights fun. We did what we do. We were out there in front of the crowd. You did warm-up for yeah, one of them, didn't you? I, so did, like, I knew the answer to that. I was, was going to say, you yeah, did warm-up for one of them, and it's like yeah. you saw the crowd, and it's like they are guys who come to watch TV record. There was a few fans in, but, like, not many. And I think because of our success in Edinburgh, a lot of producers in the comedy world go, oh, Pappy's, they've got that cult following. But actually, that doesn't 
necessarily translate. Like yeah, when everyone that watches shows at Edinburgh goes back to London afterwards. Yeah, yes, yeah, so yeah, that's it. So, so like, so, um, so it, they, we still have to really work for it. But like, the, there's a big difference in the direction if you look between the first series and the second series. The guy directed the first series is a very traditional studio director who does Mrs. Brown's Boys and things like that. And actually, like Mrs. Brown's Boys is a really good example of like something that does take the live and translate it down the camera. And love and hate, live, sorry, love or hate Mrs. Brown's Boys for its script, which is a bit. It's a bit always full of hoary old jokes, really. But the one thing that you can't I like bad adults. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the one thing you can't fault Mrs. Brown's for is, is, is it communicates down the lens the feeling of love and warmth and family, and that's why people love it because they want to be part of the Mrs. Brown's gang. It's like weirdly, it's not subversive, but it, is, it fucks yeah, it around is. with the form in a way that TV shows don't. You know, it, yeah, more than it, we did. It acknowledges the cameras, which yeah, something that we never. Yeah, sort of deliberately didn't do because Mrs. Brown's voice is doing it so well. Yeah, um, but like I think, uh, and like between those, like, there's there's a kind of three. So I think Mrs. Brown's voice does that thing, but like, and we were doing our thing, and then when House of Fools came out and was weirdly successful, like when I when I saw House of Fools, I I really I love Vic and Bob, and they're like one of our absolute comedy heroes. But I watched them do House of Fools, and that was people making a studio sitcom, but with contempt for the form. Like, it's almost like two guys who want to make a studio sitcom, but they want to fuck the studio sitcom in the ad. Like, they hate the studio sitcom. They want to go, like, oh, do you know what? Like, we think this is shit, so we're just going to fuck with it. And we made a studio sitcom, but from a place of love, where we loved the studio sitcom, so we wanted to be faithful to it. Now, it turns out Vic and Bob's approach was actually much Way more better. successful yeah, yeah. and much more exciting than ours. Yeah. And I think there was a certain... I think we had reverence for the form, and in hindsight, maybe we wouldn't have. But I w- again, I wouldn't change that second series of Battles for the World. We must wrap from the adults. We must wrap up shortly. But before we do, I've got two other main questions. Were you together when it first went out? When episode one went out? Were yes. You- yes. And what was the reaction? Like, were you on Twitter whilst you were watching it, or were you just <laughs> oh, watching? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I was. Yeah, well, I mentioned that because because uh, Ben mentioned that before. Were you? Yeah, I was. I was. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it was pretty horrific, but that's kind of what has come to be expected. I think with comedy, when when you're on television uh, with Twitter, it feels as though you know we do, we do our live shows and stuff. And Twitter was around when we were doing our live shows, obviously, but generally it was kind of for people who had a vested interest in something. And now it feels as though Twitter's there for um, people just to comment on anything. And so uh, when our show went out, Twitter was pretty horrific. But it was was okay. I was all right about it. It's kind of how how it rolls. It's okay that you think that. It's okay that you hope we die of cancer. (laughs) It's all right. So many it's death right. threats. That's the strangest it's a thing. A lot isn't it? of death threats. A lot of people like, wanting us to burn in yeah, fires. Lots of and that fires. must be g- given that at that point in your careers, you were just used to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like you were coming at it new, doing your first ever show. <laughs> you're, no, you're squinting. What I mean is, when you've done an Edinburgh run and you've done yeah, show yeah. after show, you've got a fan base. 
You perform live majority of your life. No, I disagree with that. I'd say you used to love. Here's, here's my experience of us doing comedy: is you come out on a stage, and the vast majority of a comedy club think, "Who are these cunts?" Like genuinely, like we go, "We're going to be silly for you," and they think, "Cunts." And within ten minutes, you know, we're going to convince you we're not cunts. That's our overwhelming experience of doing comedy: is like we come out, we look like cunts, we're going to act like cunts, we're going to do characters, you're going to think we're cunts, but within ten minutes, we'll convince you we're funny. What's the and key it, word here, Tom? <laughs> But like that's that's very <laughs> that true. is true, isn't it? That's yeah, true yeah. of our comedy gigging experiences. You're all going to think we're cunts. We're going to stop you thinking we're cunts, and within 20 minutes, I mean, we, we, you, we all, we all know the message us. now. It's, uh, no, well, it's but like, uh, but that's what I loved about it. I used to love coming out and thinking you hate. Us. You know what, Tom? I'm not you, say no, no, Tom. You know why you love us. it because you're a fucking cunt. <laughs> no, I know. But like, but they would puppies like, cunt club. They would <laughs> a much better title. You hate us. Oh, actually, you think we're quite funny. Do you know what? You really like us. In a 60-minute show, you fucking love us. We did you. Bang. Like, that's, that was the, the experience. Now, we on, did you right up the cunt. Now, now on, telly, on telly, three minutes in, you think we're cunts. You take to Twitter. So then you go, that's Twitter. Like, Twitter, there's no kind of, like, watch this and then respond. It's like, give your very first reaction to this now, and everyone will leap on and board and start joining in, and, start, and it'll start trending. And what we do is we initially make people go, oh, God, what's this? And then we convince with structure, with narrative, and with jokes. It's like, you go, you think this is something, it's not what you think it is. It was all planned all along, guys. We're actually quite smart. You think we're stupid, and we're not. And it's like, that's been a trick we've done for so long, live. And it's like, on telly, people don't wait that long to find out that you're actually clever because they're already reviewing you three minutes in. That's very true. There's a real thing on Twitter where people go like, I'm watching, like, during a show, or like, I'm watching this show. And you go, you're not. Because you're looking at your phone and you're... you're yeah. And I don't want to sound like a fucking old fogey, but I am. Um, but, like, if, you, if, you're, if it's five minutes into a show and you go, I'm watching, you know, whatever the show may be, and I don't like it, you go, like, watch the show. Because yeah. they've made you 28 minutes of, 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 of television. Watch 28... Clarky, are you... Uh... Sorry, mate, I'm just, you know... I, I, I for, the, for the listener at home, a lovely bit of visual business from that. Um... And also, you did a very visual joke there. And also, for you listening at home. Also, for Crosby's brain, he thought, I'm smashing this answer. <laughs> ben got his phone out and pretended to text. But, but you know, it's that, true. That's the thing is, like, you go, six, like, you watch know, a show uh, and then make your decision. And yeah. it's, 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 it's the problem with, like, you know, like, we, we had a lot of discussions with um, um, uh, BBC Three when it was going out. They were like, we want you to live tweet during the show. And we said, we won't do it. Because they, they said, well, everyone watches it by twin screening. And I'd never heard the t- expression twin screening before. And it's like, you watch the screen of the television, but you've got your phone out as well, checking what other people are saying about it. You know what? Have the confidence of your own convictions and watch a show and enjoy it. And if you fucking hate it, fair enough. But watch it all the way through and then hate it. That's after. it. Like, I, don't, I don't mind going twin screen, but it's like, the, the, it's that thing of like, in an Edinburgh show, you know, if you're going to make a bad joke eight minutes in, because at 40 minutes... You're going to call back to that in a way that's going to make it a fucking good joke. Yes. 
So you go, I've got you in this room for 60 minutes. You're not going anywhere, which means I can play with your expectations. You're going to think one thing here, but I know you're going to think something else at 42 minutes. So I'm playing a game with you guys. And it's like, we've done that so much. We've done that all the time with our writing. I'm so proud of that. It's what, it looks like chaos. It looks like these people don't know what they're doing. Do you know what? It, we, we knew all along what we were doing. And that's what we've done so much. And can you relearn that? Like that's but that learning yeah. is based on a career's worth of live shows, like you know, yeah. twenty years maybe all told of, of live stuff. Can you relearn a version of what pappies do in a twin screening environment? Yes, no, um, we're dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is our suicide is, night. We're out. <laughs> we're out. We're out. But the question is, can you, can you be bothered to? Have you, got yes. the t- have you got the interest? Do you want to? Yes, but it wouldn't be... Your, I, 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 don't see, I don't see how it would be us. Like, it, it, like to, to come down to brass tacks, we are three white, fairly middle-class guys in our 30s. Why the fuck would we be pushing to get on telly? Like, what is the reason? That's all telly is. What is the reason? (laughs) Why is the reason we're trying to put the three of us on telly together? Like, if I was anyone commissioning a show, there is no way in the world I would look at us to do it. And even if we look at putting Flat Slum on telly, like, if we wanted wanted to put Flat Slum on telly, why would we put the three of us in it? Like, because that wouldn't be telly, you know? Like, 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 so if you're going to write a sitcom, if I'm going to sit down and write a sitcom... You're not going to put three protagonists who are all from the same demographic in the same position. Let's put three man kids in their 30s who all have nice white Christian upbringings. Like, there, there, there's no pitch there. Yeah. You know, there's no story there. Two but... of whom can't act. One of whom has a sort of weird messiah complex. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But also, so like, Tiger Woods no, complex but, but, is different. But also, like the, the thing we've 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 had sort of like we, we, we we've done the dance and we're still doing the dance with um, Flat Slam for television. But and I know I'm preaching to the converted because you are literally a live podcast audience and it's going out as a podcast. But there's something very very exciting about the immediacy of podcasting that I compare to live. You know, you have a thought in your head, you write it down. Off it goes. It's out there. And I love, I love podcasting. And I think it's a very uh, intimate relationship that you don't get with television. Which, you know, with television you get a, a relationship where people go, oh yeah, I sort of watched that show, that's fine. But with podcasts, it's a choice. You make that choice. You get involved. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. And there are certain podcasts, if they stopped happening, I'd be devastated because they're a part of my week, you know, or part of my month or whatever. And I think that is a relationship that is very similar to the Edinburgh relationship. Every year you come up, you see us in Edinburgh. Every uh, month you listen to our podcast. I think that's the relationship I'm more interested in fostering than I am in sort of following a, a, a sort of TV. And I, and I say this as someone who has not made that decision for themselves. <laughs> but I, I but, think, I think but, yeah. you're narrowing your eyes at that, Tom. Is that... I narrowed his eyes when he said that he had an idea and wrote it down and put it in the podcast because <laughs> that, that process isn't my process no, with no, podcasting. No, no, no. You think something, you say it, you regret it, but it's out there. That's, yeah. my, that's my experience with podcasting. For me, it's worse because I write it two days before yeah, that's and it. then I read it and go, Ugh. No, I mean, I, I, think, I think that's why we've embraced podcasting is absolutely right because I think that's a form that absolutely fits for us. Um, and what you said earlier about the listener being a specific, like the PBAM thing, I love the idea. It's, I love it when we're talking to one person. It's both immediate and everlasting and disposable you know it's all of those things God, together I thought I'd said the most pretentious thing tonight 
Don't forget my mic. Don't forget my micro macro and visual thing earlier on. Bloody hell. But like all I was thinking was with the telly thing is like I think if we applied ourselves to the TV form I think we'd have to remove ourselves from it as performers but from a creative point of view the challenge to write a show like even in my head as you were saying it was like if you put out a show and you're tweeting as the director but it's not the director it's a scripted tweet the links to the show then you could copyright pappies. But like, but like already you can. There's there's a form there that can help you do the kind of thing, the rug pulls, the reveals, the all the stuff that you do in an Edinburgh show. You can do that with telly. But all I'm saying is that if we're going to do that on telly, and we want to keep writing together, but we can't be in it because there's not a show we can pitch that says I don't think like because it doesn't make sense for the three of us to be on screen together. We're too sexy, too fucking sexy, and too right wing. <laughs> I think if anything uh, 2016 has proved you can't be too right wing <laughs> it's really tempting that that's such a wonderful moment to end on I just wanted to ask one final question and then Are we'll you do you do Q&A as well or is that, <laughs> well, well I don't that? think we've got time because I've got to get the train to Bristol to see oh, what fuck, yeah, 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 and yeah, also yeah. we did a two so, hour podcast two hours record <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to ask was what time is it do you see the legacy of Pappies in other sketch groups at Edinburgh and on the UK circuit? And how do you feel when you see that? Uh, y- yes, and sort of delighted. It's nice, isn't it? Because when we start, first started doing... No, you don't think that? No, uh, go on. No, when we first started doing comedy, I, like, I, I, we were sort of like largely disappointed by the sort of comedy landscape in terms of sketch. Didn't feel like it was... Well, actually, weirdly... It felt very telly-ready, and a lot of the people who were doing it are now on the telly. Um, But we wanted to do something that was exciting to watch in the live arena, and that happens a lot. And I I, I love... I'm a huge fan of new sketch comedy. Not necessarily stuff that's been influenced by Pappies, but I I love going to see see comedy, uh, sketch comedy, and I love it when I go like, oh, that's a bit... Pappies and what, what like, sorts of things are there that you think you just acknowledging stamp? an audience, uh, being live, being silly, taking your shirt off? You know, <laughs> I think these are things that will never not be funny. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with that. There's no I do not agree with that. that. I do not agree with that. There's nothing funny about male bodies. Why you shame? Oh, don't agree with that. Uh, I've got a photo of you carrying me shoulder high. It's one of my favourite photos. What a photo! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Edinburgh. But 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 basically, I, I we're also part of a long tradition. Like that's the that's the thing not to remember is like Clang before us, Clang big and, and daft, then, like, loads of people before them, and like people love to rewrite the history of sketch and go, oh, these guys came along and these guys came along. It's like it's been going on for so long like we're just part of it you know so it, it, you know you're a good looking man Thomas Parry I'm having yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. look good man thanks man I want to I want to break off a piece of that <laughs> there's, there's a lot to break Clarky man there's a lot to break you've got a nice little torso on you baby cheers bro can we have a little cut I'm, I'm we can really... have a little cuddle Thanks, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Pappy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve. Um, 
top's off. Oh, okay. Less, less popular than I remember it. Harry's made a salient point. He's the only one who's finished. Clarky. Oh, hello. Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, tops back on. Thank you very much for listening. Give it up for Ben and uh, the producers of the show. You can download these and all the others and blah, blah, blah. Have Stuart a Goldsmith. Thank you very much. Stuart Goldsmith. So that was Pappy's, ladies and gentlemen. I will chat to you slightly more in a moment, but thank you to all of the boys for coming on. Ben Clark, Tom Parry and Matthew Crosby. Um, do check out whatever you can check out of theirs. If you can go and see them live, do download that podcast. Um, they have another one as well, Pappy's Bangers and Mash, which is a really fun. They kind of have a conversation and then write, like later that day, they then write sketches and songs about the chat that they've just had. So, I mean, they, I'm not going to try and explain it, but it's somehow like Bangers and Mash. <laughs> so... Do that. Get in touch with all of that stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's all of that. I'm going to do a couple of thank yous. And then um, if you fancy sticking around for an extremely tiny Christmassy... Uh, it's not a waffle, is it? So let's call it what it is. It's uh, a punchy, specific series of bullet points. <laughs> I mean, it's very much not that. But thank you to Ashwin Caffrey uh, and Ben at Fuzz Productions as well for uh, producing this show and uh, making it sound all nice and sending it over to us. Uh, sending it over to Daryl as well. Hashtag thanks, Daryl. Many thanks to Daryl Smith for his work on the show. Um, thank you to Emily Crosby and Matt Hoss uh, and uh, Olivia Phipps, who have been my log legends this year. They've been doing uh, the vast majority of the skivvy work for me. Thanks to everyone else that's helped as well. Um, and um, I've had some... It's been... Okay, I'm starting waffling, so I'll sign out for this bit. If that's all you'd like to hear, then thank you very much. That concludes the podcast. Do check out comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour for all the tour dates and see if I'm coming to you in spring. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to stay around, please do so now. (laughs) I get all breathless sometimes when I record these because it's it's obviously not like a a conversation. Yes, you, we know. (laughs) Shout many listeners. Um... But uh, because I never pause for breath, this must be one of the great skills of being a radio DJ is to have diaphragmatic control and remember to breathe. So we've got some great episodes coming up and I've yet to release Angela Barnes <laughs> into the wild. I've yet to release Ellis James came round uh, my house recently and we had a genuinely fascinating, warm, funny conversation. We focused loads on stand up. I mean, we talked for two hours. <laughs> if you know Ellis, yeah, I mean, you won't blink when you that um so i'll release an hour of that we'll do uh, the second hour as a little extra downloadable content thing and remember the 23rd of january at soho is when those guys are going to come along and do the live soho thing there were 20 tickets left when i checked and that was a week ago so jump on it quick and you might be able to snaffle up the last one um so that one is to come. We've also got Brian Regan and Joe DeRosa still left over. I mean, I talked to Brian in June. What am I doing? I just wanted to kind of hold him back. Maybe we'll open the new year with Brian. Yeah, that'd be nice. So that's everything. Thank you. Do get in touch if you uh, 
if you want to be a member of the cavalry and uh, so the subject line cavalry send me an email to info at comedianscomedian.com um, thank you to everyone that's been in touch thank you this well this is the end of the year show isn't it so thanks for everyone that's listened this year thanks for everyone that's shared it with their friends thank you to people I've had a load of emails recently from people who've said things like wow it's you're getting better I really appreciate that it's sort of you get a little wave of them every year or two where you just get a little pocket of, of emails that all say oh I haven't listened for a while and you've really refined what you do well thank you um, I'm very proud of it I'm very proud of it and uh, thank you for listening I hope to all of you who email me with your oh, forget the emails to all of you who listen feeling okay I'm gonna get <laughs> you, you can hear that's that's one of those goldsmiths tearing up pauses look I love this show I love that you listen I feel so grateful and uh, everywhere I go people talk to me about the show and it's mine. It's my thing. And it's, it, you know what? It's not just my thing. It's our thing. And, um, I'm enormously grateful to you for listening and for coming up and saying hi and doing the secret money thing. And just for giving a fuck really. And for helping and for sharing it. I'm grateful to everyone that's been on the show. I think every, what do I do? Do I do this every, every two years or something? Guys, it's, it's really bloody changed my life. And I had, <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I'm going to tell you a very nice thing that happened recently. People get in touch with me all the time about mental health. And I have a little folder on my email of emails that I get where I feel like I've made a difference to someone's life. And I suppose the, the thinking is years from now when I'm old and senile, I'll look at that and go, oh, look, that's, that's really nice. That guy said he got out of the house a bit more than he usually does. Or these people said they started stand up and I helped give them a little boost. Uh, this, this show did, I mean, not me. But um, it's very positive and it makes me feel very happy. And I think over the years, it has really contributed to a particular event that happened two days ago when my therapist got in touch with me and said, Stu, just sent me an email and said, Stu, we haven't spoken to each other, I notice, since April. So does that mean our journey, I suspect, has come to an end? And that was a very nice email to receive. So not to get too mawkish or sentimental, but screw you guys, it's Christmas. Um, if you are someone who is listening to this, as I know many of you do, and many of you get in touch to tell me, who is struggling with their mental health, because there's something about podcasting that's very intimate that people appreciate. There's something about the questions I ask, specifically the happiness ones. And there's something about comedy that people are drawn towards. So this is a real kind of in the Venn diagram of things. There's a big mental health aspect to this. And I know a lot of you are either considering therapy or are un undergoing it at the moment. Some of you will be on medication. Um, I just wanted to say that there is an end out there. You can get happier. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't it be nice if I'd written this or thought about it in advance, but, um, I can't tell you what it felt like to receive an email from my therapist saying, Hey, you've forgotten to get in touch with me, which probably means you're happy now. And, uh, if you are someone who is looking that that's a thing, this is all I'm saying. That's a thing you can look forward to. No one told me that would happen that moment ever. And I think if I'd known, it's like when you have a breakup with someone and the first time you have your heart broken and you go through all of those different moments of going, oh, I think I'm better now. And then it's horrible again. And you go, no, maybe I'm better now. And then one morning you wake up and you like, I, I mean, like an aggressive breakup. Like if you, if someone breaks your heart or leaves you or, you know, not just like a, a nice mutual closure one, but if 
if someone breaks your heart and then one day you wake up and you realize you haven't thought about that person in ages and you realize, gosh, that means I don't care anymore. And you're free. Once that happens to you once, you could sort of look forward to it when other relationships go wrong down the line. <laughs> that sounds very, very odd, but you get my point. I never realized there would be one of them with happiness. There'd be one of them with therapy when the, when the therapist gets in touch and says, hey, look, you haven't thought about me for a while. Um, so that is my... <laughs> that's this this queen's christmas message to you is and obviously loads of you listen to this and don't have any issue with your mental health and god love you <laughs> you know bless your heart uh, maybe you can uh appreciate this by just uh keeping an eye out for anyone that you think might be struggling and just sitting near them and not saying anything sometimes the worst thing you can do is keep offering to help sometimes it's good just to sit near someone and just make them know that you're there if they need you. But if you are someone who, who has struggled, then that is my little Christmas message to you. That's not the gift. That's not why you have to subscribe <laughs> for this bit. That's a separate thing. But um, that moment is out there. So um, good luck, everyone. Have a wonderful Christmas. And I'll speak to you in the new year. <sighs> Should I put this out? <laughs> Should I release this one? Oh, dear. Um, there we go. Yeah, let's chuck it out. Happy Christmas, Daryl. Happy Christmas, you, the listener. Happy Christmas, Boutros. And uh, Jeebus bless us, everyone. Mm-hmm.